disguised as the landowner in today's gospel reading, God behaves unfairly and with an inappropriate extravagance. I mean, come on. How would you feel if you were in the group of workers who came on the job at 6 a.m., worked 12 hours through the heat of the midday sun, and then got the exact same pay as the guys who were hired at 5 p.m.? I would be furious. Excuse me, Mr. Landowner? There seems to be some mix-up here. We just watched your manager pay those 5 p.m. Johnny-come-latelys the same wage that we got, even though we worked 11 hours longer than they did. Could you please clear this up for us? And then to have the landowner look you in the eye and say, "Um, excuse me, but didn't I pay you what I said I would? Or is it really any of your business what I pay anyone else? I don't think so. Or are you envious because I am generous? I'd be so mad. At the dinner table that night, I would say to my wife, listen to this, Marge, and recount the injustice inflicted upon me. You can bet your life I would not be showing up for work in that vineyard the next day until at least 3 o'clock. So this parable, it used to fill me with indignation. How is this like the kingdom of heaven? Is heaven unfair? Unjust? Then I got to thinking about Las Vegas. Not that I've ever been there, but I, I hear that you sometimes sit down at a slot machine and put in, say, a $20 bill and play the minimum bet until gradually you lose it all while sitting there hoping and praying for a bonus that never does hit. So then you get up and skulk away, kind of mad at yourself for wasting that money. Las Vegas. Only to pass by that very same slot machine you just wasted $20 at two minutes later. Just in time to see someone whooping and hollering with her friends gathered around her as the screen is lit up with fireworks above the words, Fantastic win! And the amount scrolling ever higher past the $100 mark as she shouts above the noise, Oh my God! I got the bonus on my first spin! Oh, she had not earned it. That was my bonus. That was my money. But here's the thing. The kingdom of heaven is like a slot machine. It bestows its riches on those who least deserve it. Okay, so maybe I have been to Las Vegas once or twice. Maybe I did stay at the Rio Hotel and Casino one time, going downstairs to play the slots after checking into my room. One of the very first machines I sat down at was The Walking Dead, based on that hit TV zombie show. I don't even know if it's still on. Anyway, I never win on that slot machine, but this particular slot machine itself was somehow calling to me. Literally, true story. On my very first 75-cent spin, the phrase zombie horde popped up 
And all these bloody zombies appeared on the screen and started slashing at the reels, which grew higher and higher, and the zombies fell down off the reels and left a ton of wilds in their wake as they fell. And the words, stupendous win over the scrolling amount, which eventually stopped at $403. I texted my friends who came running to see, and we whooped and hollered with glee. Whew. In the middle of it all, I stole a glance at the guy who had been seated all this time and more at the next Walking Dead machine. He gazed fixedly at his screen with nary a smile on his face. Sorry, I thought, before returning to my celebration. The kingdom of heaven is like a slot machine, with one big exception. God imparts grace upon us all, whether or not we think we deserve it. And the point of today's parable, which I actually no longer dislike, but instead find so very hopeful, the point is not that God is unfair. Unfair from the perspective of the 6 a.m. worker who can only see things through a lens of meritocracy, that people should only get what they've earned. No, the point of this parable is that God is unfair. But from the perspective of the 5 p.m. worker who can only see things through a lens of despair of never getting what you long for or need because you're told in so many little ways that you don't deserve it. The 5 p.m. worker still out there in the marketplace so late in the afternoon because no one has hired him all day long to come and work in their fields. He stands there unchosen, unwanted, with a hungry family waiting at home. He's the one picked last, to be on the basketball team at recess because no one thinks he's any good. He's the one who loses a limb in battle and then gets disinvited from the military parade because nobody wants to see that. Imagine how this man felt after working just one hour when he was given a full day's pay. But this isn't fair, he might have thought even as the smiling manager patted him on the back and sent him on his way. At the dinner table that night, he says to his wife, listen to this, Marge, and recounts the mercy bestowed upon him. I imagine the kingdom of heaven looks terribly unfair because God's vision is deeper and wider than ours. God sees us at our worst, but also at our best and our potential for better. What I see all around me these days is a world and a nation irredeemable. We live, as we often have, in a time described in Psalm 73. So then these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase their wealth. They wear their pride like a necklace and wrap their violence about them like a cloak. They scoff and speak maliciously. Out of their haughtiness, they plan oppression. And so the people turn to them 
and find in them no fault. Yet somehow, even amid such irredeemable times, God redeems once more. Yes, beyond my incomprehension and yours, grace will somehow unfairly find us all. Don't ask me how it's going to go down. I am not that smart. All I know is that if God is going to be so gaudy and sloppy about how indiscriminately mercy and love are bestowed, then our job is to not waste what has been so freely given to us. So go ahead and rail at the hypocrisy and mendacity running rampant these days, at the seeming triumph of the wicked, and you'll find me right there with you. But if that's all you do, if you can only look out through the eyes of the 6 a.m. worker and fixate on the injustice you see, then you're wasting the wages God has given you to do something with. Come on. Wake up. Don't you see? You are really deep down the 5 p.m. worker, and this is the 11th hour, and you have been gifted with so much more than you could have imagined. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to share it and bring others to hope? Like many of you, I am grieving over the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And it is meet and right so to do. She was phenomenal. And what she fought for throughout her life lifted up the rights of women to a more equitable level. And in doing so, expanded the meaning of justice for us all. So it's hard to see her go. And perhaps even harder to consider what may lie ahead without her. But I doubt she fought all those battles just so we could sit in front of our computers and bemoan our fate. So grieve her passing, then celebrate her life. Read up on all she did to protect and defend equality and gain strength from those stories for the battles ahead. Celebrate RBG's life by taking up your tools and getting to work in the rows of the vineyard you have been given to tend. There will always be 5 p.m. workers left in the marketplace, unloved and unchosen, who need us to see them and to work at their side. Be like the hundreds of women and men who gathered in the Castro in San Francisco Friday night to honor our departed justice, marching behind a banner that read, We won't let you down, RBG. Zombie hordes fall like manna from heaven all around us, leaving everything wild with possibility. So while it may indeed be the 11th hour for us as a human race, as a nation, remember this. An 11th hour does not mean all is lost. It means it's not too late yet. And it means just in the nick of time.
May God bestow upon us all a sloppy and unfairly extravagant grace. Amen.